Welcome to another edition of Today's Entrepreneur. My name is Dan Delmar, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. My partner, Michael Newton, is off today. So in his place from FL Fuller Landau, Montreal, we have Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL. You know Ernie from The Morning Show and uh, Aaron and Natasha's show discussing tax issues. Hi, Ernie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How about you, Dan? I'm excellent. Can't complain. Um, I'm very excited for today's show because we're going to an area of Quebec and my neck of the woods, which is the Laurentians, and we're going to profile an entrepreneur who uh, settled there just about 20 years ago to found uh, Tremblant Elysium and the International Leisure Group. So Kamal Shah uh, used to be a club med executive, fell in love with the Laurentians, established himself there, and uh, now he has this uh, unique vacation uh, luxury rental concept. So we're going to speak to him uh, in the coming minutes. And we'll talk to Julie Cote as well. She is the tax specialist uh, dealing with non-residents at FL, uh, talking about vacation properties and those that are being rented out for a commercial purpose. And there's some interesting new laws and quirks uh, in Quebec related to that. Vacation homes, Ernie, um, you know, a lot of these Airbnbers now have to consider themselves as full-fledged tourism businesses and get, get approvals and all that. And so we'll dig into some of that um, later in the show. First, though, some news and notes, and uh, let's begin with this about the hybrid workforce. Um, this is from Human Resources Director Magazine. What is a hybrid workforce, and uh, how do these virtual slash hybrid offices, uh, how are they working so far early uh, in, in the fall in your experience? It's like, it's like anything that changes. A hybrid work for, uh, workforce or a workplace is something that was developed more so uh, as a result of the pandemic. And now people are getting more comfortable working uh, from a virtual environment. As long as they have the, the, the equipment to work virtually, that works well. But now we're seeing different trends that are happening. And we, we, the managers, people who are supervising the people working virtually, need to have some better training to effectively manage their remote workforce. You know, it's a very, very interesting thing that, you know, what's happening is there's a development that's coming from, you know, forced uh, uh, working outside of the office. And now we have to figure out how to effectively manage everybody uh, to, to have them be more productive, happier, um, provide hybrid options where they can work from home part of the time, where they can work virtually from somewhere else part of the time, and potentially sometime from the office. So you need to be flexible in, in, in what you do. What, what does the FL office look like these days? Um, are there are a lot of people hanging out or is it 50-50? We're nowhere close to 50-50. Uh, some people are coming in once a week just to make sure their desk is clear and, and to make sure all the work is allocated. But most of that comes in anyways, uh, virtually. So uh, there's other people who uh, are here more often. Uh, I'm personally, I work in the office a couple days a week uh, just to get a little bit of a change in atmosphere, uh, potentially to meet clients who like to uh, meet downtown. Um, and uh, you just have to, to change it up uh, periodically. And, uh, you know, less and less people are coming in now, but more and more people will start to come in soon because we have to get back to a little bit of what we were before, but it's never going to go back 100% to what we were. And before the pandemic, I mean, um, the big thing was open office concept, right? And this piece from Fast Company 
uh, suggests, quote, open offices failed. Um, what do you think? Uh, is this is this model um, going the way of the dodo bird? It's potentially going the way of the dodo bird because people want different things. They, they want to have that wellness space. They want to have supportive spaces, places where they can work alone in silence, places where they can work together. So the whole office structure is going to have change you know some people like to work in cafes and in starbucks locations and things like that that people are more collaborative um you know some people like to work at home so you have to give the your employees that feel of choice and you got to be flexible when you when you're looking at your space you know it's essential there are some that are, are using sort of a hybrid model there. So they have the open space concept and then little booths, I guess they look like kind of telephone booths inside the workplace. It's kind of strange. Um, have you encountered these booths or what do you think of that model? I, I think that model is where we're heading because people need different things for, 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 for different, uh, for different projects. Sometimes you need to work together in a group of five people. So you need a, you need a room where you can do that. Some people work better in an atmosphere, which is more open and cafe like uh, with a big whiteboard so they can bounce ideas off one another. So, you know, some people just need that silent space too. So it's essential that you have, those options and internally here we kind of have them uh, to a great extent we have we have our own little cafeteria here uh we, we have our lunch room uh we have small boardrooms big boardrooms meeting areas whatever you need uh people are gonna have to to change the the construction uh, of their workplaces because the traditional office uh is going by the way of the dodo bird so is the open office concept because people don't want to be so close together necessarily. Uh, so it's a, it, it's a change. And Ernie, this from entrepreneur.com, three reasons employers uh, should be focusing on employee financial well-being. So taking an interest in your employee's financial future. Do you think that's appropriate? Uh, here are the three reasons that they, uh, they list. It feeds into employee productivity. Um, employee expectations are shifting and attracting and retaining top talent. Um, do you think? Do you agree with this, or or is that or is that maybe an overreach? It's not an overreach because you're looking for ways as a business to differentiate yourself. So how can you differentiate yourself? You want to be able to attract that top talent, and that top talent doesn't necessarily is not necessarily have great financial acumen. So you have to help them if you're able to help them in that regard. Offer them stuff. You know, make it competitive. You know, you want to be competitive in that environment. You 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 want to have a like a people first culture. Show you care as an employer and care in the employee well being overall. You don't want somebody working for you for thirty years and has five cents in their RRSP. So you encourage them to do the, to do that. You explain to them why they should do that. Here at our office, we offer our employees um, help with their tax returns if they need them. So that's one part we talk about. Anybody is free to come into my office to discuss why they should invest in an RRSP or a TFSA or whatever. We offer an employee matching program with RRSPs. This is important. And it, this is ways people look at you from the outside world and say, you know what? I like the, what these guys are doing. I want to work for that company. And you have virtual employees that are everywhere potentially everywhere in the world, across Canada, U.S., wherever it may be. So you want to attract the best and the brightest. 
So you got to make sure that the best and the brightest are taken care of. That's fair. Um, what about other uh, little benefits like that? Just to end, Ernie, in your day when you came in uh, to the business world, I mean, what kind of what kind of perks did you get? Well, we have a washroom. Okay, there's your perk. <laughs> um, that's it. We will give you lunch. Uh, no bouncy lunch balls. No bouncy balls, no pool tables, no ping pong tables, no video <laughs> games, none of that. You know, a, a website was something where you find spiders in in the corner of a room, and that's about it. Wow. So times are changing. And and our our, uh, our, tech, our marketing director, Marjorie, is pointing to the mugs. You guys had mugs. You had FL mugs. That's not nothing. No, we still have FL mugs, and there's one right there. Uh, I, I, I have my FL mug. We still have free coffee, So you and but now the coffee, you, you have all various kinds of free coffee. Instead of, well, would you like a coffee? And you say, which kind? No, no, the answer is yes or no. So, you know, that, that's what you're getting these days. You're getting a choice, and that's what people want. People want choice. I hope there's a decaf organic fair trade option. Oh, of course there is. There has to be. Okay. Excellent. And uh, very excited to talk about, uh, well, something that's near my, my old home in the Laurentian, such a beautiful part of Canada. And uh, we're here with someone who has a business that takes advantage of just that. Kamal Shah is the president and CEO of the International Leisure Group and Tremblant Elysium. Kamal, welcome to CJAD. Thank you for having me on the show. So first, the easiest question right off the bat, what is Tremblant Elysium? It sounds lovely. Well, Trauma Elysium, we're a uh, uh, vacation rental management company. Uh, most people say that they rent, uh, they, they rent condos in Trauma. We like to say that we sell actually vacation experiences. So we manage a series of uh, luxury homes in Trauma, anywhere from one to six bedrooms, uh, based at the mountain at the resort. Uh, as you said, wonderful area up in the Laurentians. Now, what, why Trauma and, and what is your experience in this, in this realm? Well, it's really an interesting question, actually. It's uh, sort of, um, uh, my background has always been in travel and tourism for well over 40 years. Um, we were in uh, Florida prior to moving up into the Laurentians. Uh, so we moved from a warmer climate to a, a cooler climate, if you will. And uh, I started working for Interwest, uh, who, as you know, developed uh, the Trombla uh, Resort itself and um, was recruited by them to come and manage one of their property management companies. Uh, so we moved up and uh, stayed in the bought a house in Saint-Sauveur because it was uh, much closer to Trombla and uh, avoid the commute from, up from Montreal. Um, Trombla is a wonderful four-season resort. Um, and uh, the types of products that we manage is uh, a very luxury, high-end uh, type of product. That's amazing. The, the, the whole need of this service is very universal. People like to have things done for them. So you guys take care of it from A to Z. You want to just explain how you take care of the vacation rental and, and your, your vacation experience from A to Z? Perfect. Well, you know, we started the business in 2006 and it was really out of circumstance. Uh, I always had a corporate role and uh, I found myself unemployed when my corporate roles was uh, abolished when um, the company got sold, uh, Interest got sold to a hedge fund. Um, 
so we were approached by them to set up a luxury rental vacation company and uh, we're a family run business. So we sat down at the kitchen table and said, what do we call this thing? Uh, we used a software called the visual thesaurus and uh, uh, threw in what we wanted to take out all of the irritants away from a condo vacation. Typically, you know, we've taken vacations in a condo and there was always something missing or something was not right, not cleaned properly. So we said uh, uh, one of the names that popped up out of this thing was Elysium, which as you know is Latin for uh, state of contentment or paradise. And we said, well, we want to create a business that would have a hassle-free, worry-free um, uh, vacation experience. So one of the things is uh, we don't have a front desk. Uh, all of our homes have uh, private uh, electronic uh, locks. Uh, one week prior to, the uh, prior to their arrival, our guests receive a code. Uh, they enter the home. There's no need to check in, uh, no need to park the car, uh, wait in line into a front desk. They simply check into their home. We then have a mobile concierge who goes to visit them uh, half an hour after they've arrived, and we give them a tour of the home, how things work, explain things, systems to them, any other information that they're needed. If the people had required uh, uh, grocery shopping to be done prior to that, we've done that, and uh, when they arrive, their refrigerator is stocked. Um, the, the units are cleaned by our own housekeeping company that we have. Uh, when we launched Elysium, uh, we set up our own housekeeping company so that we could control the quality of the cleanliness of the units as well. Cleanliness is not an option. Um, and our teams are, are extremely dedicated in the, in the process that we have to, to clean our homes. Homes get inspected, they get warmed when you arrive, uh, ambient lighting is on, the TV channel is on, and um, you're, you're into your vacation home. That's a really great experience. Um, so I, as some of my listeners know, I'm a Laurentian's evangelist. I grew up there. And right now, um, the whole area is experiencing quite a big boom right now. Um, whenever we want to go up for the weekend, it's sometimes tough to book a place or a cottage. What, what are you seeing right now? And uh, are you, uh, I, guess, I suppose you're on the, the forefront of that boom. Well, very much so right now, especially over the last uh, 19 months with COVID, uh, people have been traveling locally. So the demand uh, for local product has been tremendous. In fact, the biggest problem we've had is a shortage of inventory. Uh, well, besides shortage of staffing, which is another issue, uh, as everybody's experiencing. Uh, but definitely uh, over the last two, 19 months, we've had uh, uh, terrific levels of occupancy um, with the local market, uh, local market being Quebec, as well as the Ontario market. Uh, unfortunately, the U.S. market has not been able to come in. Uh, they're now starting to come in as the border is open. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been a very, very, very busy uh, period. I see that all your properties are very high-end properties. They're uh, very prestigious. And the question is, how do you choose your properties? Well, you know, we have um, typically an owner will, will approach us and uh, ask us if uh, we would be interested in uh, taking their property on into our rental management program. Uh, the first thing we do, obviously, is to visit the property. We're very selective. Uh, we're, we're, we're a boutique company, if you will. We, we don't have hundreds of units. Uh, we want to make sure that it meets our, our brand standards. Over the last 15 years, we've created this brand that has a very loyal following from guests. And uh, when they come to an Elysium property, they expect the same set of standards, the same quality levels. So we're very selective in, in that perspective. 
have you refused people from for uh, uh, for being uh, for being owners of the property for whatever reason? What, what what's an interesting story you have with, well, if you can, with a with an owner who you refused? Well, quite often, you know, I I'll tell you a very interesting story. I had a this was a number of years ago. I had an owner approach us, and uh, they uh, were working with another rental management company in the area. I went to visit the unit, and uh, you know, the ceiling was peeling off, and uh, the side studio was uh, sort of in uh, disarray, if you will. And my first question was if the owner was prepared to uh, invest to uh, to fix it up, and the answer was no. And and I had a very short conversation. Says, I, I can't possibly sell this as a vacation experience to anybody. So yes, we we do uh, uh, often uh, refuse owners to be part of our uh, our program. Uh, we'd like to have more inventory, but we want owners who share our vision as well. We have two types of customers. We have owners, and then we have our guests who who purchase our vacation experience, um, and and both have to work together in the sense that the owners have to share our region in terms of our standards and our qualities. And if they can't, then, then we unfortunately can't work with that. Uh, Kamala, what are your thoughts on Airbnb? Do you use it or do you see it as a, as a hindrance to the experience? Yeah, we don't list our properties on Airbnb primarily because uh, you know we want to be have, able to have a control and screen the types of guests who who, who rent from us, um, and uh, we we don't want to be a place where people just seem to want to come and party, uh, use every available square footage in the unit for people to sleep in. Uh, we 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 restrict the number of occupants in our units. Um, so that's why we choose as a business to not be on that platform. Uh, there are many who do, and it's very successful and it works well. We've just found that, uh, with the type of customer that we have and the organic growth we have, just to let you know, we have almost 50% of our customers who come back. So one out of two will return to Elysium. All we need is a first time trial. We know that as soon as they book with us, we create an emotional attachment to our product, our service levels, and they just keep on coming back. So we prefer, that's our strategy and envision on, 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 on growing our business. You, you, you seem to cater to families as well, because I noticed on your website that you offer extra stuff for them. You want to just get into the extra things that you offer families and, and people uh, who want to rent at Trombone Elysium? Absolutely, very much so. We, we continually evolve our product. We learn from our guests and we learn from our staff. Every feedback, every comment we get. I'll give you one typical example. Typically in Trombla, when uh, families who come with young children, they'll come and they will require a crib or uh, gates for the uh, babies on the, in, if in the units. So we decided a few years ago that we would provide complimentary baby equipment. Uh, and just to give you an example, somebody who comes in for a five or seven night stay in a large home, when they rent a high chair, a booster chair, or bed rails, or a fence for the stairs, uh, it could cost them anywhere up to $400. But what we do is we say, when you book with Elysium, again, a way to differentiate ourselves, we say that when you book with us, we will provide that to you complimentary. That's part of our service. So Kamal, um, tell me about your experience working for Club Med, what you learned from that, that system and, and what you brought to the table here for Trombone Lyceum. Well, you know, I got to tell you how I first uh, got um, involved with Club Med. Uh, I, was, um, I was recruited by them as general manager for Club Med Canada. 
And at that time, I was the first um, country director, if you will, who was recruited that had never worked in a village. As you know, Club Med has their staff called GOs or Gentil Organizateur. Uh, Club Med was going through the changes in, in the early 90s. Um, and uh, so I was the first uh, uh, general manager who was hired that had never ever worked in a village. Did very well there. Club Med is an amazing organization. I remember when I got recruited and I asked, uh, actually, it was actually the chairman who in interviewed me at that time. And I said, so what do you look for in, in somebody who wants to work for Club Med? And, and his answer was very simple. And he said it was generosity. And he said, not generosity in terms of giving money or everything. It's really a generosity in how you care for people and the types of service level uh, that you want to provide to a guest or a customer who are coming to visit you. Um, you know, so Club Med was a real learning experience. Uh, I got an opportunity to travel pretty much all over the world, uh, meet uh, many, many different nationalities, work with many, many different nationalities. And uh, the village life, uh, the whole concept uh, was just phenomenal. So the Laurentians uh, are really an, an underrated destination, I, I would think. As we mentioned, the real estate crisis in Montreal is triggering a lot of demand there. How do you see this developing in the future? Um, what is what is next? Is there going to be some sort of resort uh, for the Laurentians? Uh, is Trombleau going to expand? Well, you know, what's happened over the last 19 months is that uh, real estate in, in the Laurentian region has really boomed. And it's primarily because uh, a lot of Montrealers, a lot of people from the surrounding areas have purchased the real estate in what I call them as confinement homes. And they've simply moved out of the cities and moved into places like Saint-Ail, Saint-Sauveur, uh, Saint um, Tremblant area. And uh, so a lot of that inventory that was in what we call a rental pool, that where there are units that were available for rental, are no longer. And if they're what I call cold beds, meaning people who moved up from the city are, are uh, telecommuting and are working from there. Uh, in terms of new developments, um, at Tremblant itself, at the resort, there is not too many different there's not too many other uh, areas where there are new developments. So there's there's come a point where the resort itself is at its maximum capacity. There's one side of the resort called Versailles Soleil on the other side, which is where the casino is, uh, where there is development uh, um, land available. And there probably in the next couple of years, we will see some more stuff uh, come up there. But um, pretty much uh, in the in the region, um, there's there are pockets of new development, um, but not to the mega size of what we've seen in, in Trumbull as a resort from the early '90s. To get back to the business of uh, of things, your your business is customer satisfaction. At the end of the day, they want to be satisfied. You want to give them that satisfaction, and you want to give them everything possible for them to have the best vacation experience possible. So do you do surveys with your, your customers after they leave uh, in order to just keep changing things? Absolutely. As soon as the guest checks out from our, from our system, they receive an email thanking them for their stay with us and asking them as to what they would make as suggestions for us to improve their vacation experience. And, you know, somebody may say that a simple thing as change the light fixture because in the bedroom, the, uh, I wanted to read and I was unable to do so because there wasn't enough light. So we take all of that into account and we, uh, we make those changes as best as we can. Um, as I, I said earlier in the segment, um, 
our, our strategy is one of organic growth. Uh, our investment, our marketing investment, if you will, is in providing the services to the guests so they're satisfied. Yeah, and also there's a lot of people nowadays that are more environmentally uh, environmentally conscious. How do you you deal with that? Well, we we started that actually when we first started the business in 2006. As I said, that you know we 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 have our own housekeeping company called Menage Ver. Menage Ver means green, if you will. Uh, and since 2006, we've been using. Uh, uh, recyclable products in all of our units. We, the types of products that we use are sustainable products and products that we use to clean our units, um, the paper products that are provided, the amenities that are provided. And that's really been one of the, uh, the first uh, uh, cornerstones of our business when we started it. The future, uh, are, you, are you going digital? Tell me about the technology that you use um, in terms of communicating with your properties and some of the technology in the homes. Well, and again, since uh, since day one, um, because we wanted to remove irritants away from a, a typical self-catering or a condo vacation, uh, we use a, uh, a platform called Front Desk Anywhere, which is a very mobile platform. Um, all of our staff work on iPads or iPhones. At any given time, anybody has access to the reservation system, to the feedback with the guests, to be able to communicate to the guest on the fly. Uh, um, and so we use that technology, which makes it very easy for our guests as well as our staff to operate efficiently. You use something called e-concierge. What does that really mean? And what I think it means, uh, you know, something else, you know, to, to take care of things and whatever. But what, you know, as a follow up to that, what would be one of the weird things that people ask for? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, um, our, our concierge. First of all, the e-concierge is, um, we coined the term a mobile concierge when we started the business. And uh, to me, a mobile concierge meant that we go to the guest, the guest doesn't have to come to us. So we have a number of concierges on staff, we have our company vehicles, and within a 15-minute radius was our service uh uh, modus operandi, if you will, that if you call, invariably, you know, you'd have some needs, a light bulb gets burnt out, we'd be there within a 15-minute uh, period. Um, our guests can uh, ask us to provide groceries. Uh, they want somebody to come in and prepare a meal for them. We work at a number of uh, chefs in the area. Uh, they will if they purchase ski lift tickets, our concierge has picked up their ski lift tickets, so they don't have to wait in line when they arrive in their home, they're on the tables. If they rented uh, ski rental equipment, we've made arrangements with their ski rental company to go and fit them at their home when they arrive, so they don't have to go and wait in lines. Kamal, this is obviously um, a very premium product. Do you have any plans to 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 widen the, the net a little bit, and, and how could people on a budget enjoy the Laurentians as well? Well, you know, we've, it's a very interesting question. We've often thought about it, and we've also had many people uh, uh, say to us, why, do you, why don't you create an Elysium light, if you will, uh, uh, version? Um, and um, uh, we've thought about it, but it, it gets very tricky when, when a brand does that for it to work really well, because the expectations are so high uh, at a certain uh, level. And um, so if somebody had booked an Elysium brand and wanted to purchase an Elysium uh, light, um, we found that there would be a, 
an expectation that perhaps we could not meet because they were so used to the uh, other standard. Uh, what we do is that we make sure that we are uh, pricing of our product extremely well for the service levels that we provide. And it's the added value, it's a value proposition. So that while we may look luxury and premium, if you really look at the details, it actually is a very all-inclusive uh, product in the sense, and that it is quite actually affordable. And let's turn to our expert. Uh, Julie Cote is the non-resident tax specialist at FL. And we're going to talk about vacation properties before we get to Kamal's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur, the founder of Tremblant Elysium. Uh, and let's talk about some of these properties that have a commercial vocation. And uh, Ernie, certainly this boom is causing a lot of business opportunities for people who want to buy vacation properties, but it can get complicated, especially lately in Quebec with some new rules. Absolutely. You know, uh, what I want to get into with Julie is what are the steps that you have to go through in order to buy a commercial vacation property, commercial rental vacation property? Very good question, Ernie. Um, as you may know, all owners, whether they are individuals or corporations, should get their GST, QST numbers beforehand, QST being the specific of Quebec, this will be required for them to waive the taxes on the price of the property and continue the activity, the commercial activity of the property they are buying. So um, it's important for them to plan enough time beforehand, before the closing at the notary or the lawyer, because it might be a little bit trickier than they expect. Because with the GST, QST, you don't want to finance GST, QST on a purchase of a property when theoretically you can get it back. You want to get into that for a second? Yes, it's important to set the, the tone, the type of uh, property you're buying from the get-go. By waiving the GST, QST on a commercial property, you are continuing perpetuating this vocation for the property. And uh, it makes it clear that this is a commercial vocation property. Are there any special rules related to this type of activity? Yes, there is, because we're taking advantage of a tax law here that uh, indicates that if you are entering into a short-term rental business, you must sustain this business for at least 90% of the year. Uh, when it's not rented, it must remain available and advertised for rentals. Uh, all personal usage, whether it's by the owners, their friends, their family, giveaways, is limited to 10% of the calendar year. This is very important. Um, of course, being a small business, it's important to remember that a GST-QST must be collected on all the rentals, no exceptions, and remitted to the tax authorities. And of course, the owners are allowed then to deduct GST-QST. They paid on their expenses also. So they're acting as a small business. You mentioned short-term rentals. Uh, what is that short-term rentals? Thank you for bringing this up. Uh, a short-term rental is any rental that is made hotel-style, which is less than a month long. So be a month and beyond, we fall into long-term rentals, and this doesn't correspond to the tax rules here. We have to just reiterate the importance of the availability for rental, because that is something that's extremely important in this situation. You want to get into that just a little bit? Yes, of course. Thank you. Um, it needs to be on a website available. If it's a Friday night and I want to rent it, I need to be able to do so. A lot of owners think that, oh, it's not rented yet. It's 9 p.m. on a Friday. I'm going to use it. 
it still counts as your personal usage because someone could want to rent at midnight or on Saturday for the Sunday, and you are effectively blocking this opportunity for business. What if you want to stop renting short term in order to do like more seasonal rentals, uh, monthly rentals, etc.? Yeah, we see a lot of these lately in the last few years. Uh, owners that are tired of the, the short-term rental um, scheme and want to maybe uh, take advantage of, uh, there's a, a raise in request for uh, long-term rentals, which are usually seasonal. So people want to have um, these places for the whole winter or the whole summer to go back and forth from uh from their work or uh, just to be there the whole time. So uh, whenever this happens, uh, we need to convert this to residential property from commercial. And this means paying the GST QST value that we waived at the beginning of this whole venture to revert back to residential. Once the, the taxes are paid, the owners can basically do all sorts of rentals still, including short terms, but it's very important that these short terms rental do not exceed $30,000 a year because then we become, again, a tax registrant. And when we pay the taxes on this type of commercial property, we close the GST-QST accounts. We're no longer allowed to claim anything. We are not required to collect GST-QST on our rentals. So it's very important to keep track of these little rentals. Uh, for long-term rental, which is seasonal, monthly, or yearly, there's no limit of rentals that you can make uh, of income. So that's fine. And um, also it's important to note that once the taxes are paid on the property, the owners no longer have the obligation to rent it. It's converted to residential. They can use it as they like. Because that's important. There's a big distinction between the short-term rental market and, and the more long-term rental market. It seems to be a lot easier to do it a long-term rental market. And there's a lot less... Um, requirements on you from both a GST, QST perspective, as well as an income tax perspective. But there, if you are a non-resident who owns this property, there's still an income tax requirement that you, that, that you have. Uh, do you want to discuss the income tax requirement potentially on, uh, on these issues, whether they're short-term rentals or long-term rentals? Yes. There's a distinction between GST, QST and income tax. So on the income tax level, any non-resident that generates an income in Canada, rental income, whether it's from short-term, long-term, uh, or with a full-time tenant, has uh, an obligation to comply with Part 13 of the tax law, which is remitting 25% of the gross rental, and to file Canadian tax returns under Article 216. And uh, failure to comply will incur penalties. So it's very important to consult a tax specialist about these requirements in order to avoid any nasty surprises. We all hate nasty surprises, but uh, we've both seen a few over the course of time because there's a lot of people who are non-residents of Canada who say, well, I'm going to I'm going to prepare this and I'm going to file this uh, Canadian tax return. And so that's all my obligation. But if you're an American citizen, you're going to have to include that also in your in your U.S. return. So some people, you know, they have that they under the wrong impression whereby they can file um Canadian return for Canadian income and U.S. return for a U.S. income. So we can get into a few problems in that regard, which we've seen over the course of years. Any interesting stories that you want to share about stuff like that and weird things that have happened? Um, usually the, the main thing that happens is that 
uh, owners think that if they declare this income in their their own country, it's fine. Uh, they don't have any obligations in Canada because they already reported the income somewhere. And sadly, uh, this is not the way it works. It needs to be reported in Canada first and reported then again in their own country. And then a tax treaty will apply uh, if there's one. Um, so, yeah, this is a story we see again and again. Uh, we have clients come to us thinking they've done the right thing when they haven't. And then we're stuck at filing 10 years of late tax returns with a lot of penalties. Julie Cote, a non-resident tax specialist at FL Fuller-Landau. Thank you very much. And now let's turn to our entrepreneur, Kamal Shah, president and CEO of International Leisure Group, the founder of Tremblant Elysium. And Kamal, please, your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. I'd say stay focused. You know, in business, you come across so many different opportunities that come, come your way. Uh, ensure that whatever you're looking into doesn't become a distraction to your core business that you've got. So stay focused because opportunities do come by, uh, but anything that causes a distraction uh, could not be fun. Super. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Ernie, uh, just a lovely place, Tremblant, and uh, and really uh, an interesting entrepreneur um, capitalizing on this, uh, our, our version of Club Med, really. Yeah, it, it, listen, it's great up there. Lots of stuff to do. Uh, almost 12 months a year. Now we're coming to a month that, that there's no leaves to look at. The golf is uh, not that great at this point in time of the year, and there's no snow to ski. So November is kind of dead, but uh, that's only one, maybe two months a year that you're, you're dead up there. But uh, for the most part, great place to stay. No, nothing's dead up there lately. I'm telling you, every weekend is booked when, when I go there. And it's uh, I like it all year round, but uh, a really lovely part of um, of the of the province I'd like more people to explore. So thanks for stopping by, Ernie. Um, Mike is back next week, and we'll be chatting with a Montreal classic. This is a Plateau Jeans shop that you you know the name. It's Jeans, Jeans, Jeans. And Boris Friedman, the founder of that uh, iconic business, joins us next time on Today's Entrepreneur. Don't forget to subscribe to the show as a podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite platform. And log on to todaysentrepreneur.org for hundreds of local entrepreneur profiles from the past 13 years. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you soon. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.